Um, anyway, just a little bit of fun. Exodus chapter 15, verse 24, as a text, we're going to read through verse 26. says, And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? What shall we drink? Now, let me set some context here. They just entered into a desert. They just entered, I mean, they left um, Egypt. They just got finished singing the song of liberty by being set free through the, the, the Red Sea. And uh, that's the first half of Exodus chapter 15. But the second half is they're in, they're in the, it's almost like I can imagine the sea washing out behind them. And then they're like, wait a minute, where do we get some water? And uh, so that's, that's the question. What shall we drink? They're thirsty. Verse 25, and he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord, that's uh, Moses, cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Now they're close to the Red Sea, mind you, so this is salt water. So they can't just drink any old water that they find. They're out in the desert. They, they need pure, sweet water. So the Bible in this particular passage through the hand of Moses, by the direction of the Lord, performs a miracle and makes these bitter waters sweet. And he made for them a statute and an ordinance, there he, and there he proved them and said, I will, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful for our healer? Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what the disease might be. It doesn't matter how devastating it seems. It doesn't matter how long you've had it. God said, I'm the healer. I'm the Lord that heals you. I go as far down as to heal the very basic elements of life. Water, earth, amen, fire, wind. I can heal it all from the very basic elements of life to the most complex situations in life. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Amen. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, sweet waters. Why don't we just lay down our Bibles and ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. Jesus, we truly need your help today. Pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, open my heart, open my mind. Receive with meekness your engrafted word that's able to save, able to help me. Pray that you would transform me by the renewing of my mind, that I may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Why don't we just love the Lord for a moment this morning before we're seated. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Savior. I love you, Savior. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. Man, I left this scripture out of our text, but verse 23 of Exodus chapter 15. Sorry, Brother Josh, already going off the list a little bit. Brother Josh is awesome. I came up to the service this morning. I was like, hey, man, I need like five more verses at the top. And uh, he just took it in stride while he was throwing up the songs for you guys. So thank you, Brother Josh. But verse 23. Four, uh, sorry, verse 23, and when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. The name Marah means 
bitter. Simple. They're not, it's not anything complicated. That is the literal definition. So the waters of Mara are the waters of bitterness. They are the waters that, that are not sweet. And uh, so if, if, if our, what I mentioned in our opening, in our text, in our pre- preliminary remarks are right, where do sweet waters come from? If, if they are, if, if, if bitter waters are the salt, salty water from the sea that you cannot drink and you cannot use for nutrition, then where do the sweet waters come from? They come from above. They come from heaven. It's the pure water that gets extracted out of the seas in, in a literal sense and, and uh, gets formulated into clouds and then purified through that process. And all, the, all the, the, the contents that contaminate the water are lost through that process of vaporization. And then over time it comes back down in its purest, sweetest form. You get sweet waters when it rains. And... Um, I want to talk, we talked a little bit, and, and just bear with me for a little bit. I, I don't know how this is going to come across, but um, if you'll help me, hopefully we can get out of here and uh, we'll have accomplished something. So, But I need your help. Can't, can't do this by myself. But the, the waters that bring nutrition, um, are they come out of the sky. They're pure, sweet waters. But what, what is the purpose of the water? Once it hits the, the earth, once it hits ground, uh, what does the water do? It, the purpose of the water is to carry nutrition from the elements in the ground to the, the plants and the, the sustenance, the fruit of the ground. And, and if the water is not sweet, Brother Hall, if the water has become uh, corroded or contaminated in any way, then you can taste that in the fruit of the plant. Because the water itself, literally, as blood flows through our veins, the water flows through the, the bodies of the plants and is carried from its roots on up into the, the extremities of the plant. And so it's the sweetness of the water, the purity of the water, that determines what gets put into that plant or how sweet or how tasteful the fruit of that plant is. And this was a major problem for for folks in the olden days when they were planting and, and, and reaping their own harvests, that, that they would have to deal with this problem, that they, they'd have to purify and ensure that all of the contaminants, the things that would, that would destroy the fruit of their labor, the fruit of the plants that they produce, they would have to do, go above and beyond to purify the soil and purify the, the waters and things that, that, that they use to, uh, to produce that fruit. And so for us, we, it's easy for us. We go to the grocery store, and that little, little sprinkler is sitting there, and it's spraying all the vegetables and the fruit for us. We don't have to worry about purifying any water. We don't have to worry about any of this process. But in the olden days, this was, this was, a, was a, uh, a much more prominent issue. And the Lord told uh, Moses in this passage, he said, he showed him a tree. And he said, take that tree and cast it into the water. Take this 
tree and cast it into the water. And, and that is how you're going to purify. That's the process by which I will use to purify this water. Amen. We're going to go somewhere this morning. But, but notice that it was a tree. Perhaps, I don't know. I don't know what the tree was. I don't know if it was some kind of fruit tree. They were in the desert, so perhaps it was a palm tree. I don't know what, what kind of tree it was. But when he cast it into the water, it produced sweet water. It purified the water immediately. They didn't have to wait for the next rain. They didn't have to wait for the heavens to open and the time to process. They needed water and they needed water now. They just came scooting across the Red Sea floor and now they need some water. And so the Lord provided water. Amen. And he used, uh, can you let me uh, uh, use my imagination for a little bit, but he used uh, the good fruit uh, of a tree uh, to produce uh, pure water. I'm telling you, if you, uh, amen, want to purify the bitter uh, parts of your life, amen, get around people who are producing good fruit. That'll purify those waters. Amen. But water, the pure water, the the sweet waters come from heaven. And, uh, but if the water is not present, if the water is not present, then, um, then the plants that are, have been damaged by wind and, and uh, other outside forces that affect the, the plants, those damaged areas never get a chance to heal. It's the water that brings that life to it. If the water supply is not present, that pure water is not there, then nutrients required for growth and fruit never find their proper place in the plant. It's never carried to its destination. It's always just laying dormant in the soil if, if there's no water. If water supply is not present, then there will never be fruit I mean, on the plant, on the vine, on which, whatever kind of plant it is. We'll never, uh, and, and so by application, let's call ourselves the plant. If the water doesn't ever enter into our life, if the pure uh, essence of, of, of this source of life-giving, this life-giving sustenance, if it doesn't ever enter our life, then we can never produce life. We can never produce fruit. We can never produce goodness. But what we need is water. All right, so we talked about water quite a bit, right? Everybody thirsty yet? <laughs> Anybody want a drink of water? Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 3, verse, oh, sorry, Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9, when he talked about the parable of the sower. He went, in verse 3, uh, Matthew chapter 13, it says, And he spake many things unto them in parables saying, parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell by stony places, and when they uh, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. And uh, but other fell on into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears? Let him hear. Jesus, in this parable, uh, speaking to perhaps farmers, speaking to folks who have toiled in the field, who understand some of the, the symbols and the applications that he's giving to them, talks about the, the seed, that if it doesn't have any depth, if, it doesn't, if its roots don't go down into the soil and find water, then because of their lack of depthness, because of their lack of, lack of deepness, then when the sun comes up, 
They are scorched. And they, because they had no root, and they wither away. They die. They die. If, if, the, if, the, if the source of water is not close enough, if it's not within reach of its, fruit, of its roots, then those waters, then the life, that life-giving sustenance doesn't flow. Bible talks about um, the, the Spirit of God as water. I, I'll read that to you. I'm going to skip down just a little bit here. This is going to be in John chapter... I may not have even given that one. It's John chapter 7. John chapter 7, I know I have it later on, but I'm, I'm just going to actually bring, I, I just remembered that it's later on. But John chapter 7, verse 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Talking about water. Verse 38, he says, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, what are you talking about, Jesus? What, what are these rivers of living water that are going to flow within our belly? Verse 39, but this spake he of the Spirit. So Jesus identifies for us, in, 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 and I'm going to use this sort of symbol in this lesson this morning, that, that these waters, it is the source of life. In, a, in, a, in an epistle, Apostle Paul wrote, he said that, this, that the letter killeth. The, the, if you only understand the letter of the law, then it killeth. But the Spirit giveth life. If you want to know how to live, if you want, the, the, it, like Jesus said, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, these words don't bring death as long as you mix it with the spirit. There's a balance. And if, if, if we only mire ourselves in, in strictly the word of God, I'm not saying, the Bible says that the word is elevated even above the name of Jesus. I don't want to diminish in your mind the word of God in any way, shape, or form. But if we, through our carnal mind, through our limited capacity to understand, amen, what God has said within his word, if we only, amen, mire ourselves in the word of God without any spirit, without any inspiration, if we don't bring the water into our life then we will wither and die just as the plant in Jesus parable if there's not a steady downpour we talked about our bishop has, has set this year as the year of downpour if we don't have that steady downpour that steady influx that steady flow of water in our life then we will wither up and die generally the issue is that there is not enough water. There's problems with having too much water too. You'll produce moldy plants and marshy lands. And, and if, it, if you allow things to dry out, particularly for a long period of time, especially in deserts, there comes a, a, a large amount of water into that area. No matter how sweet it is, it's not going to produce anything. It's just going to pool up and create mud puddles all over the place. So it has no purpose. 
unless you take an implement and break the ground up and then allow the, the nutrition that's been buried under the dry times, under the period of life that has caused those nutritions to be uh, pushed down further and further. If we can roll the, roll the ground over and, and expose those nutritions when the water makes contact and if there is seed, that life-giving uh, uh, point, the, the Word of God, as it were, the seed, the, the spoken Word of God, if that is there and the spirit is there the, the water then life can begin we need both we need both Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 verse 35 heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away the word can be drowned out by the spirit if there's too much spirit but if there is no spirit then that seed will only dry up and lie dormant but no matter how long it's late, we talked about this in another lesson uh, recently about the, those grape seeds that were laid, laid there for 3,000 years. No matter how long the seed has been dried up, no matter how long it's laid there, as soon as it gets that, that water. The Bible says, amen, in one of the prophets that, that, that the word will accomplish the thing that it was sent to do. That when my word goes forth, that it is not, it will not return void, but that it will accomplish the thing that it was sent to do. Amen. This is all by way of introduction. Amen. But if we can find the right balance of word and spirit, then we can come into, we can grow up. We can begin to produce life. Fruit will begin to appear on our limbs. We will start producing that life-giving sustenance for others. What's the purpose for fruit? So we can eat it. So we can live. So that's our purpose as a plant in the kingdom of God. If we, uh, if we can find that good balance between spirit and word and produce the fruit that our life brings, then that can be a, a point of sustenance, Brother Jaheim, for others. I can, be a, I can be fruitful for somebody else and help them bring more fruit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13 says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Unto a, what does that word perfect mean? A complete man. One that is fully mature. One that is fully grown. One that has completed his development process. Uh, unto, if we come in the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man. Once we arrive there, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We shouldn't be comparing ourselves among ourselves as Paul said in another passage uh, it's not wise uh, amen our fruit uh, how heavy it weighs on our limbs and the produce that we bring uh, amen shouldn't be comparable to anybody else uh, amen the comparison should be with the stature of Christ until we come, we should continue to grow, my friend. We should continue to develop. We should be continue to bear fruit until we come into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Hallelujah. But until we are there, amen, we should not stop, amen, finding seed, finding the word, amen, not stop finding the spirit. Allow that water, allow that spirit to course through our veins. Let it, let it, let it give us strength. Amen. Let it heal the, the broken limbs. Let it heal hey, the broken parts of our life. Let the spirit of God, amen, enter in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But we have to have our roots, our roots in the right place. Amen. This is where we go. Okay, so now we're officially out of introduction land. Our entire existence 
is to bear and to produce fruit. How many times have you read through the scripture, bear much fruit? You should go and uh, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Those, those scriptures are there. And you know, modern society is, 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 is combating those concepts through many different ways. But, but, but the, the literal interpretation of that is that we should bear fruit, that we should have offspring and multiply and replenish the earth. But there's spiritual application here as well. That we should bear good fruit. What are the fruit of the Spirit? I don't have time to get into this and teach all this, but, but, but it's our, our entire existence, our physical and our spiritual existence should be to bear much fruit. That we shouldn't hoard it all to ourselves, but that, that, that the fruit of our, our lips would, would bring grace and hope and truth and promise to others. That, that the things that we do with our hands and our feet, uh, whatsoever things you do, do it with all of your heart. Don't just come half-hearted and live for God, but give Him everything you got. Amen. He's given you his spirit. He's given you his word. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed are they that hunger. Blessed are they that thirst after righteousness. But why? Because they shall be filled. Amen. If you're looking, amen, beyond, amen, the word of God and the spirit of God for answers, you'll be filled too. Amen. But you're not going to be filled, amen, with anything that's worth carrying. But if you can find, amen, hunger, a hunger for spiritualness, for righteousness, for holiness, for godliness. You will also be filled. Hallelujah. Blessed are they, Jesus said. Hallelujah. Are you hungry for his word? Truly, are you hungry for his spirit? Are you thirsty for that spirit of God? What did Jesus tell the lady at the woman, the, the woman at, the, at the well? He said, if you knew who I was, You'd have asked for me a drink. Anybody know the story I'm referring to? This lady at the issue, uh, the the lady at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. She went to pull water. I'm getting way ahead of myself. This is actually in my conclusion, but that's okay. I'm following, I'm trying to follow the spirit of the Lord here this morning. I'm trying to find the f- follow the flow of the water. I want the water to bring life to somebody. I want the water to help somebody today. Hallelujah, Amen. But this this poor old lady, she goes to the well. She is. Is that the time where, you know, those kind of ladies are there? And she's there dipping because she can't dip with everybody else. She can't go and get water with everybody else because the community is uh, judging her and don't want to be anywhere near her. She's dipping in the well of Jacob. And to her, Brother Larson, it's sweet water. To her, this is just, this is the promises of the prophets. This is, this is, and Jesus walks up to her. And says, give me a drink. And she said, you're a Jew and you're talking to me. We're, we got problems here. And, and, but Jesus overrode, overrode those, those issues and said, give me a drink. And then she ended up, and, I, and I'm summarizing the story, but, but I, there came a time in the conversation where, she, where Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you knew the spirit that was inside of me. You knew the word that I represent. The Bible says in John 101 that, that he is the word. The word of the in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. And that word, verse 14 says, became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus said, If you knew who I was, 
then you would have asked of me, give me a drink. I need some sweet waters. Lady, you don't know that the waters that you're dipping in, I mean, are bitter waters. They don't have any life-giving hope. They don't have any promise for you. I mean, you can dip and you'll be here tomorrow for another bucket full of water. Amen. But if you took a drink of the water that I have, amen, then you'd never thirst again. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hallelujah. Even when the attacking birds come, like in Jesus' parable, or, 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 or other, you know, the choking thorns, if you have the source of strength, if you have the spirit pulsating through your life, you can grow up through all of that. Hallelujah. If your roots are born down deep, Brother Hall, amen, it doesn't matter amen, how strong that bird is, it cannot pluck that seed off the ground amen, if the roots are buried deep into the ground. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter how strong the thistles and the thorns of life are. If you have water, Sister Bonnie, you can grow up through all of it. Amen. You can grow into a fruitful and a prosperous tree. Amen. Full of life and hope and life giving fruit. Oh, I want the water. I want sweet water. Amen. I want the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. I don't have time. We talked about it last Tuesday, but Apostle Paul, amen, tells us to walk in the Spirit. Hallelujah. They that walk in the Spirit, they are the sons of God. You want to be a child of God. You want to live for God. You want to learn how to walk in the Spirit. You ought to allow the waters of life, amen, to pulse through your life. Amen, allow him to set the course. Allow him to lead and direct you every step of the way. Hallelujah. Follow after, amen, the things of God. Amen. Follow after. Love the things of God. Love the things of truth. Amen. Understand not only the letter of the law, amen, but the understanding of the spirit that inspired, amen, the letter of the law. God, don't let me just read the letters and the words, amen, on a page, amen, but write them, amen, on the tables of my heart. Hallelujah. 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 Do you want to bear fruit today? Do you want to bear fruit today? Hallelujah. It's important to understand that as a root feeds the plant, amen, where we put our connections, where we put our feet, if you will, where we settle down, where we're comfortable, the environments that we find ourselves comfortable in, those are the things that will feed our life. If there are bitter waters in the perimeter, if there are bitter waters in that area, and we put our roots down into that soil, what is that going to produce? It's going to produce bitter fruit. It's going to, and, and those old timers, they know when they take a bite of that, that contaminated fruit. Dude, there's something wrong with this thing. And, and then, and you can imagine in certain uh, areas where they would designate, don't, don't eat from that tree. Yeah, there's fruit. It looks good on the outside. It's got fruit on its limbs, but don't eat of that tree. Because that tree has bad fruit. It's 
roots are planted deep in the soil of, of bitter waters. And, and the fruit that lives there, that lives on it, it looks good. It looks just like any of the other fruit. But it's bitter. You, can, you, can, you know it when you taste it. <laughs> you know it when you take a bite, Brother Jaheim. When you, when you try to consume it. When you try to befriend it. When you try to spend some time with it. When you try to, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. When, when you try to, to live with it, that bitterness pops out. You start to taste it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. And thereby many be defiled. Follow peace with all men. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Look for those that are separating themselves. That, that aren't satisfied with just the, any old place. Burrowing down in any old uh, settlement. But, but they, are, they are men that are seeking out holiness. And if you do that, looking diligently lest any man should fail the grace of God... Lest any root of, if you, if you don't do that, then the root of bitterness will be planted there. But if you do, look, that's the way you protect yourself from allowing that root of bitterness spring up to trouble you. It's important to understand that as that root feeds the plant that we we're talking about, if there are bitter waters feeding the plant, that the fruit will taste bitter. You can't distinguish it from the outside, but its roots you don't even see it under the, its roots are planted in bitter waters and it's producing the fruit. You can only sense it when you're tasting it. Jesus told us about these type of fruit in Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. Beware of false prophets, this is what he calls them, which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravening wolves. I want you to first notice he said they come in sheep's clothing. We're the flock of God. We're the sheep in his flock we're the ones that he's shepherding over and the lord jesus told tells us that these false prophets appear in sheep's clothing apostle paul later on says beware because there are men that have crept in unaware i'm not i'm not telling you to look down your nose at somebody or sit there and Switch your eyebrows around at different people that are walking around. That's not what I'm trying to tell you. It's just that you need to taste the fruit. How, how, how do they taste? How, how does, how does what, what is their life? In, in verse 16, Jesus goes on to say uh, exactly this. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Do you snap off the thorns like, hmm, that tastes pretty good. No, it's a thorn. It's a thistle. It's a stick. There's no sustenance there. But if you find the grape, taste it. Ooh, that tastes good. This is a good friend. This is somebody I can live with. This is somebody I can stand with. Verse 17, even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. I know that's simple, but. It's true. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good 
fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits shall you know them. Jesus, in this brief message to his disciples, said that, take a, brother Macaulay, just take a bite. Try it out. And if, if it's bad fruit, then guess what? You know where their roots are. You know where they're settled down in. You know what they're living like. You know what they're, and, and, and please hear me this morning. Amen. I feel like the Lord, amen, laid this message on my heart, to, amen, to help somebody specifically. Amen. And, and, and I feel like we're getting there. Amen. So if you could just bear with me. Amen. That, that if you want to, amen, to live for God in a, in a pleasing and an upright manner. Amen. That's available today. Amen. But beware. Amen. Understand. Amen. That there are some that bear fruit but it's not good fruit there are some that bear fruit and they look like they call themselves the sheep of God the sheep of God children of God the lambs of God but but they are not you have to spend time and understand what is the fruit that they're producing so that way you'll know where their roots are Peter addressed this in Acts chapter 8 verse 19 he identified one of these false prophets while he was ministering in Samaria Saying, verse 19, give me also this power. This is Simon speaking, not Simon Peter, but Simon in Samaria. So give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he might receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee, because thou hast, not, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Peter started smacking that don't taste right. That, that don't feel right. There's something wrong about this man. There's something, his motives are off. There's something wrong. Verse 21, he goes on and says, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Verse 23, notice what he says, For I perceive that, the, that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. You, you, Simon, what you're interested in is maintaining your political influence over this area. And if you read the scripture you, and understand and do a little bit of study on who this Simon in Samaria was, he was he, he had some political power in this area. And so when the apostles came to the area, revival is born through the preached word of God. The seed of God's word is planted and the spirit of God comes and joy fills the city of Samaria, the Bible says. Amen. They begin to grow and life begins to sprout in Samaria then Simon's like oh no I want this kind of power I need this kind of power so I can persist my dominance in this area so I can I can maintain and so Peter amen sensed that by tasting of his fruit and said you're in the gall of bitterness I know where your roots lie amen and if you will repent uh, Simon if you repent perhaps perhaps God will forgive you of this wickedness and the thought of your heart. 
Amen. I'm, I'm here to tell you today. Amen. That that if those, and we'll go through a couple of examples in just a minute, but if of of indica- of stories where the Lord, Amen, took bitter waters, and, and in an ordinary sense, this is not possible. Amen. But the Lord, Amen. No matter if you put your 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 roots down, Amen, into a bitter soil or bitter water, Amen. That it doesn't matter where you find yourself today, because God can transform. He can perform the miracle, Amen, and and. Can Convert uh, that bitter water into sweet waters. Hallelujah. Amen. Even in a desert, uh, when you have just uh, amen, been set free, uh, amen, and you have witnessed firsthand the miracle, the liberating power, amen, of God's Spirit uh, from the enemy, amen, to you even, uh, amen, there's a possibility of bearing down, uh, amen, in bitter waters, uh, amen. But God can still heal not only you, but He can also heal the waters. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Hallelujah. Where sin did abound, grace did doth much more abound. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It doesn't matter, amen, how strong the hold is, amen, on your feet or where you're settled down. doesn't matter how many commitments you have made, amen. God can turn those bitter waters into sweet waters. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Job chapter 13, verse 15, Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. I'm interested. I'm hungry for righteousness. I'm thirsting for the Spirit of God. I want to, amen, to maintain my ways. It doesn't matter, amen, what happens in my life. Amen. If you know the story, amen, of Job, amen, tragedy and travesty, amen, befell him day after day, perhaps hour after hour. Amen. As one was coming, amen, to report, amen, of terrible things that befell him. Amen. He lost his children. He lost his home. He lost, uh, he lost his animals and his flocks and his riches and his wealth. Uh, amen. Uh, moment after moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Brother Hall, amen, one uh, who perhaps uh, could have uh, uh, justifiably entered into the gall of bitterness. Uh, perhaps, uh, amen, you could uh, justify, amen, his planting uh, into bitter waters when his wife came knocking uh, and said, hey, Job, uh, why don't you uh, curse God and die? Job says, uh, you're speaking like a foolish woman. I'm going to maintain my ways before him. I don't care what comes, uh, come hell or high water. It doesn't matter, amen, if it's raining, amen, or if the sun is shining. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to please him. I'm going to walk with him. I want to, amen, even if he took me to death. Hallelujah. Job chapter 2, verse 9. Then said his wife unto him, dost thou still retain thine integrity? (laughs) 
You better believe it, woman. I don't want, amen, to spend my time, amen, in the soils of bitterness. I don't want, amen, to cover myself with the waters of bitterness. Amen, listen to me, child of God. Amen, no matter how popular it's become in today's day and age, amen, this victimhood mentality, amen, amen, woe is me. Amen, look at my ancestors, look at my heritage, and, and by, by it, it's, it's certainly, amen, warranted in some situations. Amen. But let me tell you, amen, that if you are, amen, qualified or justified as a victim, follow Job's example. Hallelujah. Even if they did, amen, break the windows in your home and steal everything that you have. Even if, amen, they lied to you on the job and they stuck you in the back. Hallelujah. Even if, uh, amen, they, uh, a friend, somebody who you trusted, uh, amen, perhaps a close relative, uh, perhaps they let you down. Even in those situations uh, where you can justifiably find yourself, uh, amen, with roots of bitterness, don't let them be planted. Hallelujah. Don't let them, amen, be born down. Don't settle down in those soils. Amen. It's going to produce bitter fruit. Though he slay me, I trust him. He's never failed me. Amen. He's never caused the righteous to be forsaken or a seed ever begging for bread. Doesn't matter how much I'm going through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Job. Do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. Verse 10, he says, he said unto her, Thou speakest as a foolish woman speaketh. What, shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. He never uttered a foul word. My, my. He never entered into a place, Brother Jaheim, saying, I don't deserve this. He never charged, in those scriptures, the Bible says he never charged God foolishly. <laughs> he said, though he slay me, I'll take good and I'll take bad, whether I perceive it being from God or not. Did you realize that God was not sending this evil upon him? God permitted it. And there's a lesson there. Amen. The enemy can't go, amen, can only go as far as God allows him to. Amen. But God didn't do it. The wounds and the pain and the and the death and the as he was scraping those boils off his body, which is the context of this conversation right here. He's literally, the Bible says, taking pot shears and scraping the boils. And his wife comes up to him and says, Hey, isn't that painful? Isn't that doesn't that hurt? It's God's fault. He said, You're speaking like a foolish woman. I don't know where this came from. I don't know where, I don't, this is perhaps Job's response. I, I don't know where this came from. Amen. Even if it was from God, perhaps God saw something in my heart. Amen. But I refuse to put my roots down in that bitter water that you're in, honey. I want to have a sweet waters. Hallelujah. And many of you perhaps know the story of Naomi and Ruth. Naomi and Elimelech and their boys leave the promised land because there was a drought. There was a famine in the land. There was 
no food, no sustenance for them to live. So they decide, we're going to move to Moab. And that's where they settled down. They built their homes. Boys grew up and got married. One of the women that were married was Ruth. The name Naomi means pleasant or desirous. Can I say it this way? Naomi's name means sweet. Now, that's not the literal definition. I'm making an application here. So <laughs> it means pleasant or desirous. But, but let's just use the word sweet for simplicity's sake. Naomi, when she had lost everything, her boys had died, her husband died. She went over thinking that this is a better place, no more famine. I'm going to build my home here, grew family here, and, and all of this. Now, after some time spent there, her husband passes away and both her sons do. Then she made a decision, I'm going back home. I have nothing left here. Told her, told her daughters-in-law to go and marry somebody else. I don't have anybody else to give to you. There's no reason for you to stick around. One of them accepted the, the offer. But the other said, I want to serve your God. Where you die, I will die. And your God will be my God, Ruth says. So her and Ruth come back to the land of Israel. And Ruth chapter 1 verse 20 we see Naomi's perspective. She said unto them, Call me not Naomi. Call me not pleasant. Call me not desires. Call me Mara. Do you recognize this word? It was the label that was placed on the waters that the Israelites encountered after they crossed the Red Sea. Mara. Bitter. Don't call me sweet. Call me bitter. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. Foolishness. She, she had dealt with some crushing blows in her life. Husband, the love of her life, her sons. Do you imagine mothers? But she comes home and, and lays that at the feet of the Almighty. Forgetting somehow that her and her husband left the promised land. Go to uh, the children of the incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughter. Went and lived in Moab. Left the promised land. Left the promises of God. She said, I went out full, verse 21. And the Lord hath brought me home again. Empty. Why then call ye me sweet? Why do you call me pleasant? Seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. And of course, we know that Naomi returned. Amen. I want to leave that right there because I want you to just ponder about the spirit and the place that Naomi had placed herself. The mentality that she had returned home with, a victim, felt afflicted, felt the pain of the loss in life. 
James chapter 3 verse 11 tells us, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Is it possible, as Jesus talked about with the, with the, the trees producing good fruit and, and bad fruit, He said, this is how you'll know the tree, by the fruit that they produce. If they're producing good fruit, then it's a good tree. If it's bad fruit, then it's a bad tree. Simple stuff. This is not blowing minds or or impressing anybody. But James picks up on that same vein and says, Now, does a fountain send forth the same place sweet water and bitter? Can Can you pull out of the same source both bitter and sweet? No, you cannot. The moment the salt, amen, enters into the water, the moment that, that, that the, the contaminants enter the water and dissolve, then the entire source is contaminated. The entire body of water is now, now certainly it can be diluted and, and to a point where you don't even sense it. But over time, the more of that contamination, the more of the salt and sediment, amen, of the surrounding, amen, you talk about the, the Dead Sea, amen, the Middle East, it's the sediment, it's the layers around it, amen, that contaminate the ground and it's, it's allowing these, the outside to come in. It's allowing the mixture of both my water, my life, my, myself, and the earth that's around. That could be a, a symbol of, of us. Amen. If we allow the sediment layers, the, 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 the ground that's contaminated with all kinds of matter to mix in with our water, then we become like the Dead Sea where no life can grow. For those whose, whose environment and, and world is, they can't even live there. Fish can't live there. Fish can't survive there. Does a, mount, does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? The answer to that question is clearly no. However, we read in our text this morning a story of one that was able to change Bitter waters to being sweet. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went out three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they, they could not drink of the waters of bitterness of water of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Perhaps they knew what Apostle James was talking about. Perhaps they knew that if, if, if we only, are, if we, the source is only bitter waters, then how can we get sweet water from this fount? Mara only gives bitter water. How, do we, how are we going to drink from this? They just made it through, amen, that miraculous journey through the Red Sea, amen, and, and after a miracle, after miracle, delivering them the plagues, amen, the the, the, if you study with Jews, they call them the ten miracles. They don't call them ten plagues because they were miracles that was transpiring. I mean, the, the sea turning into blood, the Nile River turning into blood, the, 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 the pestilence, the frogs, all these things uh, were miracles for their deliverance. And then the final miracle was the parting of the Red Sea. And after going through all of that, you say, how can we get some water? The most basic thing. 
what shall we drink? Yeah, you've done all these wonderful miracles, but what about me? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. What, what should I drink? I'm telling you, church, that, that no matter how uh, glorious the, the kingdom of God seems to be, uh, amen, no matter how awesome uh, services can be, doesn't matter how many times you come to church and, and you see the ways of glory go through the services and God's blessing this one and that one, amen, God still, amen, has never forgotten where you are. Hallelujah. Amen. You could be walking, amen, through the Red Sea, amen, along with everybody else, amen, and still be thirsty. You can, amen, experience and witness and be telling the same stories that I'm telling, amen, and yet not have a thirst, amen, for righteousness or hunger for righteousness and still be left empty and hungry like Naomi. He, I went out full but I've returned empty. What do we do? How do I drink? What, do we, what shall we drink? I'm in Exodus chapter 15, verse 25, and he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast in the waters, the waters were made sweet. Israel, don't you think that God has you on his mind? Don't you think, amen, that the pain and the suffering, uh, the separation and the distance uh, that you are going, uh, amen, do you think the Lord's forgotten you? Absolutely not. I will turn those waters into sweet water. Sister Tori, you could come. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them and said, if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon Egypt, the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Sweet waters. If all you need is a drink, he's got it. If you just need that touch from heaven, it's available in this place. If you need a healing, amen, even... Even just a, a glance, you can begin to play if you want to. Even a beginning, ju just a, a brush. God, I, I, it's been too long since I have felt your touch. He can pour his spirit out on you. Even Naomi, who called herself bitter. Her she no longer wanted to be identified as delightful and pleasant and sweet, but she wanted to be identified as bitter. She came back, Rome, Ruth chapter 1, verse 22. Bible says, so Naomi returned and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. This is important. Because that, it was common practice for those Ladies who, did, who weren't married to go and get their harvest from the field of others who had plenty. In fact, there's commands in, in Jewish religion to leave uh, your harvest behind. And it's graduated. I heard recently that it's up to a quarter of the field. So they would, the Bible, uh, the Bible specifically says, leave the corners 
So when you, uh, obviously they didn't have tractors in the old days, but in my mind, I'm thinking like in Harvestfield, you look out and you're driving on a highway and you see those corners that, that are still have, have uh, some fruit on the, you see the little corners. That, that's what they left behind, just the, just the leftovers, whatever fell off the wagon, whatever, whatever didn't make it into the, don't go back and pick it up because there are people that, that need it. And so Naomi and Ruth are living this kind of life. They're just taking what's left on the table. They're just, they're just eating the crumbs, if you will. So they returned. And they came to Bethlehem, the beginning of barley harvest. Ruth chapter 2, verse 22 through 23 says, And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens. Talk about Boaz's maidens. That they meet thee not in another field, in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Ruth is living this life and she's she's the breadwinner, literally. <laughs> She, she went out into the field, and she'd bring it back. The Bible says she dwelt with her mother-in-law. You know, the one called bitterness. She dwelt with that. She lived with her. She brought food to her. She provided for her. And all the while, Naomi's grumbling and complaining. I used to have a lot more than this. I used to have... So much. I went out full, but now I came back empty. God took it all away. And Ruth is just saying, I'm just serving God. I'm just living for God. I refuse to plant my feet in this. She was dwelling with mother, her mother-in-law. Amen. But listen to what happened next. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Something began to happen in the heart of Naomi. I don't know if it was the cause of Ruth. I don't know what happened. Amen. But the Bible tells us that Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee? I'm going to. Shall I not? Naomi stopped thinking about herself. She started looking at, at Ruth and saying, Wow, what a beautiful young lady. She's got so much hope. So many dreams. Sister Haley, she's, she's growing. She's becoming a beautiful young lady. And, and should I not? You know what? Why don't we just put this bitterness stuff aside? Why don't we just, why don't we just leave this stuff behind? And, 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 and Ruth, I've got some advice for you. Put on your sweetest perfume. <laughs> Ruth chapter 3, verse 3, Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lieth down, amen, that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie. I don't know if Naomi was remembering the time when she found the floor of Elimelech. I don't know if, if Naomi was, was remembering a time before when, when the love of her life uncovered, allowed him, her to uncover his feet. I don't know if, if she remembered those sweet days gone by. 
But there was something changing in Naomi's heart. She was no longer acting like a bitter old kaji woman. But she was, she was, hey, why don't we find a place for you, Ruth? You've taken care of Ekotoloshi. You've taken care of me for so long. You've taken care of me. You tried to provide for me. Amen. And, and perhaps I haven't been grateful enough. Amen. But let me show you my gratitude now. Let me show you how to find a place of rest. Amen. There's a good man that I know. In fact, he's kindred. Amen. I know him from the time that he was born. Amen. Here's somebody that you can rest with. One you can put your confidence in. One that you can you can create a life with. Uh, amen. One that you can b- bear your roots down into. You can begin, uh, amen, to be- build a new life here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No longer are the waters of bitterness stirring. But the Lord began slowly in the heart of Naomi to turn those waters into sweet waters. Hey, baby, why don't you go wash yourself? Why don't you take my good perfume? Why don't you anoint yourself? Why don't you go lay down? Mark the place where he lies. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss the spot. You don't want, this is the exact one that you want. Pay attention. Here are the details. Let me give you some experience. She ends that verse in verse 4. It says, and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down. And he will tell thee what thou shalt do. I've told you everything you need to know. I've shared with you all the information you need. He will guide you from here. I want you to notice this. In the last few moments before Ruth and Boaz officially tie the knot, there's an opportunity for Ruth and Naomi to become bitter again. I'll skip to verse 6. Brother Josh says, And the kinsman, this is the one to whom Boaz was having to discuss and and make an agreement with for the marriage of Ruth. The kinsman says, I can't redeem it for myself. I can't marry Ruth for myself. Why? Lest I mar mine own inheritance. She's a Moab. I'm not bringing that into my family. I don't want to touch that. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. In the next few verses, the Bible tells us that Boaz married Ruth. <laughs> and they conceived and brought forth, began to bring forth literal life. Verse 14. The women now of the community come to Naomi. Said unto Naomi, verse 14 of Ruth chapter 4. Blessed be the Lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. (laughs) For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. Hallelujah. Naomi, do you remember those beautiful days of sweetness? Do you remember 
Those are coming back soon. (laughs) That beautiful daughter-in-law that everybody looks down their nose at. The one that's shown her love and dedication and loyalty to you over these past few years. She's better to you than if you and Elimelech had seven sons. You don't have to count yourself down and out now, Naomi. God has restored to you the things that you counted Him as having taken from you. Sure, you can look at it that way. You can distort the picture. But really, it was judgment for your actions, Naomi. But in spite of your activity, in spite of your rejection of His promises by going to Moab, God still says, you know what? I'm going to restore some life. I'm going to give a new life here. I'm going to give, amen, nourishment. I'm going to give her health. I'm going to give her a promise in her old age. Naomi? 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 Do you answer by that name anymore, Naomi? Or have you allowed life to bring you too far down even Job the one who didn't succumb to his victimhood the Bible tells us in Job 42 verse 10 the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends Job never became bitter Job never became or considered himself a victim. But you can read many times in the book of Job when he was confused. Amen. The enemy had certainly attacked him. But the Lord brought deliverance to one who was not guilty. Amen. Of bitterness. Amen. But still, amen, experienced the, the attacks of the enemy. Amen. And God delivered him when? When he prayed for his friends. When he stopped looking down and said, hey, You guys have been good friends for many years. You guys know me better than anybody. Amen. Let's all stand together. Hallelujah. We'll return to a scripture I referenced a little bit earlier. John chapter 4 verse 10 scripture is talking about that story with the woman at the well. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. If you would have lifted up your eyes, Samaritan woman. If you would would stop focusing on yourself. (laughs) If you would forget about what you have done. And what your background is. Jesus said, go bring your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. You're right. You've had five. And the one you're with right now is not your husband. This was a wicked woman. Amen. But God still carved his way through Samaria for her. To give to her, Brother Seely, sweet water. Give to her the life that she didn't think she deserved. 
Why are you talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Jews don't talk to Samaritans. We're the scum of the earth in your eyes. We're nothing. We're good for We're nobody. Jesus said, that's not the way I look at it. I see life here. I see hope here. I see promise here. I see a city of hungry people. Those who hearken all the way back to Jacob and Isaac and Abraham. Hope for a day that they can receive the promises that Isaac received. These are the descendants of Ishmael. These are the ones, uh, amen, that, that were separated. They, 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 were, uh, they were pushed out just like the Moabites. But God went out of his way. It was tradition for the Jews to literally, if you look at the path that Jesus went from Jerusalem, I believe, I forget where his destination was, but if you look through it, look at it. It's easier for them to go through Samaritans, but the Jews would not do that, Samaria. But the Jews would not do that because they hated the Samaritans so much. They would literally go around Samaria to get to their destination. Israel was both on the north and the southern part of Samaria. So Jesus was making that normal trek, and as he began to step across the Samarian border, his disciples started to ask him questions. Jesus, where are you going? It's dangerous over here. These people could kill us. Why are you coming? Because there's somebody. The Bible says he must needs go through Samaria in John chapter 4. This passage, when he made this decision to go through, he said, I've got to go. There's somebody at an old bitter well. They're looking for life. They're looking for a sweet drink of water. They're looking... Uh, to get out of a bitter lifestyle, a lifestyle, amen, that has pulled them down and caused them to think that I am not worth much. Poor old Samaritan woman, give me something to drink. Sir, you don't have anything to dip with. You've missed the point. If you're sitting here, amen, or standing here, looking at what I'm saying, hearing what I'm saying and saying, well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm telling you something that applies to every single one of us. If we leave this sanctuary this morning, amen, and go out to our lives, uh, amen, where, where we have to work our daily jobs, we have to, amen, put up with, with the bitters of life, paying bills and, and dealing with sick family, and, and those that are homesick today, we're praying for you, amen. But we have to contend with these things. Let me tell you that there are sweet waters available to each and every one. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Right where you're at, why don't you lift your hands up to the Lord? Hallelujah. When the Israelites took of the well at Marah, that should no longer be called the well of Marah, but sweet waters. When they took that drink, they realized how pleasant it was. They realized how good they had it. They realized, and so they settled down in a place that had 12 wells. I want another drink. I want another drink. 
Nothing else will quench this thirst in my soul. Nothing else is like this sweet water. Come on, let's talk to the Lord together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to open up these altars this morning and invite each and every one of us. You don't have to go back to those bitter waters. If you'll bring them to Him, He can perform the miracle this morning and pour out into your soul sweet waters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah.